Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Proving It Plant-Based Podcast. I am your host, Natalie. You've come to the right place if you are looking for things plant-based diet, exercise, strength training, and building overall healthy habits and a healthy lifestyle. So we talk a lot about fitness goals. We talk a lot about future goals and just your overall health and well-being. And today's podcast episode is something that I'm super passionate about and I feel like it's been a long time coming for me to actually get on here and talk about it. But I feel like this is a safe space. I feel like this is a space of learning and growth and opportunity. And so with that being said, I recommend maybe just keep your mind open. So most likely if you're listening to this podcast in the first place, you probably already have an open mind considering a plant-based diet is something that's different. It's something that's unique. It's definitely against the mainstream. And so that being said, you probably already have a pretty open mind. Now, today's topic is on why it is not enough to just be vegetarian or pescatarian. All right. So just cutting out meat is just simply not enough. While still eating fish and still eating dairy, you are still partaking and still contributing to the industries that promote cruelty and that promote this evil when it comes to mass production. All right, so this is going to be a little bit more on the end of veganism than being plant-based. So I've said in previous episodes the difference between what a plant-based diet is and what a vegan diet is, and then of course what a vegetarian diet is. And I do want to preface this episode by saying, if you're not there yet, that's okay. There's no judgment. There is no passive aggressiveness when it comes to what I'm going to talk about in this episode. So please bear with me. Don't just shut this episode off. If you're like, no, Natalie, my goal is only to be plant-based. My goal is only to incorporate more vegetables in my diet. That is a great goal to have. So know that as I record this episode, I'm not passing judgment on anyone. And I always say small steps are the way to go when you're making change. That being said, in my own experience, I did not go cold turkey from eating a meat-based diet that I grew up on to all of a sudden becoming vegan overnight. That did not happen for me. I know for some it's possible, but for my own clients, I actually urge them to take the small steps forward. And that means maybe just cutting down on your consumption of meat and animal-based products. So what are the differences between being vegetarian, pescatarian, vegan, and plant-based? Well, like I said, I've covered this in other episodes, but just as a quick refresher, pescatarian means that's almost like the first step. Um, That would mean cutting out meat and meat as in cow, pig, chicken, anything like that, right? So 
If you're someone who doesn't want to partake in eating hamburgers anymore or ground beef or pork or sausage or turkey or chicken, right? I'm just naming all these all these land animals, if you will. And so that's the first step is pescatarian. So this was the step that I took in my, I guess, cruelty-free lifestyle, if you will. And I was still consuming fish and I was still consuming eggs and dairy. That was a personal preference of mine. Um, I was in high school actually when I made this decision. So I wasn't as informed. And this was back in probably 2007, 2008. So we're talking, you know, about over 12 years ago, guys. So the information that's out is much different than it was back then. And I actually decided to go pescatarian. I actually just called myself vegetarian. Um, I decided to make this change because not only were both of my sisters vegetarian for health and animal welfare reasons, but I did a high school social justice project on animal cruelty, specifically in animal entertainment. So we're talking circuses and we're talking dog fighting, the underground dirty industry of dog fighting. And that was back when Michael Vick got exposed for dog fighting and really leading these really inhumane, cruel dog rings where these animals were trained to fight to the death. And for a young high school student, I was probably 15, 16 years old, This was eye-opening for me that people could commit these heinous crimes. Athletes, famous athletes could commit these horrible crimes and they were fueled by money and power and greed and using animals for entertainment, but also for profit. And so I specifically decided to target dog fighting and circuses, because although they're very different, they both partake in a lot of cruel tactics and cruel training. And while this episode is not particularly about cruelty in entertainment, um, they definitely have a lot of areas of overlap. And so as you can see, a lot of circuses nowadays actually ban animals from being in entertainment for very good reasons. So we grow up seeing Barnum and Bailey, Ringling Brothers, and we grow up going to marine wildlife parks and seeing dolphins perform tricks and orca whales, and we go to aquariums. And this seems all really innocent until it's not, right? Because as consumers, as people on the outside, we don't actually see how these animals are treated in captivity. So the main reason for my interest in actually finally speaking about these things on the podcast um, 
you may or may not have heard of a recent documentary that was just released on Netflix and is now trending as number four in the country on Netflix or in the world, um, Seaspiracy. So a while ago, Cowspiracy came out and a documentary called What the Health. So these documentaries are all produced by the same producer, Kip Anderson, and he does a really, really great job of bringing to light the truth and the horrible behind the scenes tolls that that these industries take on not only animal welfare, but human welfare and the environment and and our world. So Seaspiracy dives into all the facts about what commercial industrialized fishing is actually doing to our world. So going back to being pescatarian, I did not really realize the harm that the fishing industry actually creates not only on the animals and the marine life, but the plant life in the ocean. And the thing is, guys, we talk a lot about, you know, the plastic and the pollution that we contribute to just being consumers, but the fishing industry, 47% of pollution in our seas is due to fishing nets. So go ahead, go and watch the documentary for yourself because I'm not gonna get into the details when it comes to that. They have a lot of information and facts that is backed by research, is backed by the producers who, who filmed the documentary. So I highly, highly recommend Maybe shut off this podcast. Go watch that documentary. It is eye-opening. But going back to my own experience, because honestly, this podcast is a lot of my own experience and other people's experiences. So therefore, I'm only going to speak to what I know. But I was pescatarian in high school, and my go-to protein sources a lot of the times were fish. I grew up eating fish. My mom cooks a really good salmon, really good tilapia, haddock. My mom is like the queen of making fish taste delicious. And so we grow up thinking fish is a great source of protein, despite all the myths we hear Um, Whether or not there's a lot of mercury in our fish, well, guess what? There's a lot more than mercury in your fish. But, you know, we choose to believe what we choose to believe. So a lot of us grow up thinking fish is a great source of lean protein. And it's a healthy source of omega-3 fatty acids. And so it's essential to our diet. It's essential for brain development, for heart health, for all these things. But we actually don't really need it. And the fish is actually the middleman when it comes to omega-3 fatty acids. So once again, just like vitamins like B12 um, that come from meat, actually these things come from the earth. The animals and the marine life that supply it are really just the middleman. So we don't actually need fish in our diets contrary to popular belief. 
And so through my college years, I was still pescatarian and I was still relying heavily on fish. I was still relying heavily on dairy, things like Greek yogurt to supplement in for protein. Now, here's the hard truth with the dairy industry and the fishing industry. The dairy industry for me was a big one because what I had learned and a lot of what I was hearing about when I was starting to consider going fully vegan, fully plant-based was that just because you're not eating meat, if you're still intaking dairy products, you're still a part of the problem. And so if you're a part of the problem, you're not part of the solution. And this is how it works with cows and industrialized farming nowadays. Even in the small little mom and pop farms, because I've been, I've visited many of them and they still work in the same way that I'm about to explain. So depending upon the gender of the cow that's being born, that kind of dictates the cow's future, right? So I recently visit, I was up in Prince Edward Island, Canada, where um, I, I love to go to um, just vacation every once in a while. Um, Prince Edward Island, Canada, it's beautiful. And so um, there's a lot of old school, beautiful farms where there's lots of dairy cows. Um, there's a lot of farming up there. They produce a lot of corn. There's a lot of fishing. They produce a lot of soybeans. Um, so they don't really understand veganism as much as we do in an urban area because they get their fish right off the pier. They get their cow, their chickens, their dairy right off the mom and pop farm. But I did speak to a local farmer in that area and we were talking about the female cows, the female dairy cows versus the male cows and what would happen if his mama cow gave birth to a male calf. And he went on to explain that he would sell the male calf to a slaughterhouse. So although he did not partake individually in the slaughter of cows, he was profiting off of the male calf and basically just handing it over for the other guys to do the dirty work, right? And so again, I'm not gonna go into the super graphic details of mass producing factory farms, but there are, just like Seaspiracy, plenty of documentaries out there that really dive into the truth behind where your meat comes from. So therefore, the sex of the calf that's being born dictates their future. If they're female, they're going to be artificially inseminated, pregnant, essentially their entire lives. And what I recently learned from lactating cows, so just like a human being, a cow needs to be pregnant and have a baby in order to produce milk. So it's so funny because we don't think about these things as human beings. We think dairy cows, they produce milk, we drink their milk, end of story. But guess what? If it's not your mama, 
it's not your milk. And I finally put two and two together when I had my baby this past year and I breastfed for five months. I felt like a cow. I was like, holy moly, this is what it feels like to just be a feeding machine. And guess what, guys? Those cows actually can be milked 360 days out of the year. They can be milked while they're pregnant because we did that to them. It's not natural, but we did that. And so these cows are hooked up to machines their entire lives. And think about if you're a woman and you've ever been pregnant, you know what it feels like to be pregnant. It's not always pleasant. So these cows are impregnated and impregnated one right after the other in order to produce milk for humans to drink. And so humans drinking milk dates way, 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 way back, you know, to ancient times. This isn't something new. And over time, our bodies have actually adapted to being able to digest these enzymes that we weren't actually meant to digest. And that's why a lot of people are actually lactose intolerant because our bodies were not made to digest milk past a certain age. So not even human milk, right? Babies need milk in order to grow, but we don't necessarily need cow's milk in order to grow. And we especially don't need it as adults. So, the dairy industry is one and the same as the factory farming meat industry. They're just creating a different product. So regardless of what the product is, it's still a life of torture. It's still a life of misery. And if there's any way that we can not contribute to the misery and the torture and the slavery, essentially, of another living being. The thing is, animals still feel. Animals have emotion. Cows and pigs are extremely intelligent animals. And I think for me, being pescatarian, I was okay with eating fish because I heard that myth that, well, fish actually don't feel anything and they're not intelligent enough to be able to feel anything before their heads are cut off or their throats are slit. So, I mean, again, at the end of the day, we're gonna believe what we wanna believe. If we wanna believe that there's no cruelty in the way our food is made, if we wanna believe that the label on the package that says free range actually means free range. Go ahead, by all means, believe that. But I always say it, the more you know, the more you can feel empowered to make decisions that are true, that are benefiting your health, that are benefiting the health of animals, the health of our environment. The more you know, the more you can be empowered to make empowered decisions. So in Seaspiracy, they talk about how all of these organizations that say they're doing good 
for the environment and they're doing good for wildlife and marine life, they actually get paid to be able to sell their dolphin safe label on things like cans of tuna, other fish, and whatnot. Because when it comes down to it, if you think about it, these mass producing, fishing, commercial sized boats have these massive fishing nets. You're telling me that if you drag a fishing net to the bottom of the ocean, that you're only gonna get halibut? That you're only gonna get salmon? No, you're gonna get dolphin, you're gonna get any kind of, you know, shark, whale, whatever. And when they bring that up, those animals or those wildlife creatures end up being tossed back into the ocean already dead. So there's no such thing as, you know, a sustainable way of fishing. There's no, there's no such thing as cruelty-free meat. Because at the end of the day, it just doesn't exist. So that's why I want to talk about this. That's why I want to talk about the fact that just cutting out meat is not enough. If your goal is to benefit your own health, to benefit the environment, to be a part of the solution and not a part of the problem, stop turning a blind eye. Stop believing just what you want to believe. So you might be listening to this episode and thinking, well, that's not true and that's not true and I don't believe that and I'm not going to buy into what she's saying because she has a biased standpoint. And yes, that's so true. I do have a biased standpoint. But at the end of the day, there's no one that is benefiting from being vegan or being cruelty-free besides the animals and besides your health. There's no secret organization that's like getting money every time someone like signs up for like PETA or some kind of like vegan outreach program. There's none of that. Nobody is in bed with anybody else, but the thing is these other organizations are. And they're all industries that are in bed with other industries, even the government. So they're money-making industries. They're not going to stop doing what they're doing. They're not going to put rules and regulations on it because it makes too much money. And it's so sad Because when we think of drug cartels and we think of sex trafficking and all these horrible, horrible things that we feel like we hope for the greater good of humanity, that people, that good people are going to fight for good. But then we realize that like 
Law enforcement is also dipping their toes into it and they're covering things up and, you know, because there's always money involved. And at the end of the day, money makes the world go round. So what can you do? You can look out for yourself. And this might sound blunt and this might sound like I'm preaching or I'm being really harsh, but it's disturbing. It's disturbing that at the end of the day, the only ones that can look out for us are are ourselves. And that also relates to your health. I have hope because I do find that more medical doctors are getting with the times and starting to recommend to patients plant-based diets, plant-based medicine, as opposed to quickly writing prescriptions. And so I do feel like the world is moving in the right direction because it's people who want to make a change, who actually care, like I said, about the greater good of humanity. And there are good people out there. I, I do believe that the good outweighs the bad and that there is hope for our future generations and that once again, the more we know, the more empowered we can feel to make the right decisions. So when it came down to making the switch for me from pescatarian to essentially, I don't even think I was like fully vegetarian. I pretty much just went pescatarian to vegan because I knew I didn't want to eat meat anymore. That was like a no brainer, you know, like oftentimes we hear too much red meat is bad for us. Okay. Well, what does that leave? Um, chicken, fish, white meat, right? So I know a lot of people are pretty on board when, when you think of health, you think of, I'm going to cut back on my pork. I'm going to cut back on bacon and you know red meat consumption and go for the lean meats as opposed to the fatty meats so i think everyone can kind of agree that like fattier meats are probably not as healthy so i just knew for sure like i wanted to cut out meat completely but then i resorted really heavily on eating fish and eating dairy and knew that that wasn't going to be my end-all be-all that that wasn't as different. And so I was dabbling a little bit in like, oh, I'm going to go vegetarian and or I'm going to, you know, cut these things out for a couple weeks and this and that. But it wasn't until I really started digging and doing my own research and figuring out, okay, well now what am I going to be eating instead of fish? And How am I going to incorporate more vegetables into my diet and how am I going to replace it with grains and things like beans and lentils and quinoa and wild rice and even more vegetables than I was already eating because I honestly did eat a lot of vegetables. So it was really increasing my vegetable intake as well. But it was making the decision, it was doing the research and it was really just throwing myself in to this lifestyle 
and knowing that if I was going to be all in, I was going to be all in. And I remember very vividly (laughs) sitting on my couch one Saturday morning and reading a story on animals in science. And this one might hit home for some people listening to this, especially because if you are an animal lover, you may have a pet at home like a cat or a dog. And for me, this this doesn't even sound half as bad as what happens to animals for our consumption for meat that are going to be turned into an actual product. But it did hit home for me because I have two dogs at home and I love my dogs. They're my babies. Um, (laughs) Before I actually had a baby myself, I was like, you know, my, my dog Dakota, she was with me all through college. She was with me all through my, you know, young professional days. And now I'm almost 30 and she's almost 11. So it's like, it's crazy. But it was an article. It was a story I was reading on how dogs and specifically golden retrievers, beautiful dogs. Um, not that, not that that matters. Um, were being used for experiments in regards to muscular dystrophy. So they were actually um, breeding these dogs with muscular dystrophy. And this is a horrible, horrible lifestyle um, to live. Humans can have this as well, but just reading about how these dogs were being held for experiments in captivity and honestly not even able to stand because of the muscular dystrophy. They couldn't even eat. It was so heartbreaking. I I spent the entire morning on my couch crying. And It was then that I was just like, I'm no longer going to be a part of the problem. I'm going to be a part of of the solution. And that's the difference between plant-based and veganism. So plant-based is predominantly for health. And while it's incredible, I commend anyone going plant-based, learning about a plant-based diet, living a plant-based lifestyle, We're not eating dogs over here, but it's the choice to not partake in any sort of animal cruelty. So what does that mean? That means when shopping for beauty products, that means when shopping for, oh God, really anything, (laughs) beauty products, um, you know, shampoos, conditioners, body wash, makeup, household items, cleaning items, um, really looking for that cruelty-free label that says, you know, not tested on animals. Um, And I like to believe that that label actually does mean something because it's pretty black and white. It, It either tests on animals or it doesn't. And so, Again, I'm not a perfect person either. There will be times where I find myself 
buying a product and then I will recognize that it doesn't have that label because there's no opposite. It's not gonna have a label that says, yes, this product is tested on animals. It's like, no, if someone picked that up, they'd be like, what the, no, I'm gonna put this away right away. But you know, to be able to look for that little bunny logo or the not tested on animals um, little note at, at, on the back of a label when it comes to a makeup product or a skincare product or a cleaning product, um, just things like that. And that way you know that you're also not partaking in science against animals and experimenting on animals. So that really is the big difference between um, veganism and plant-based and vegetarianism. And even to this day, guys, like I try to be very, very mindful about the clothes and the shoes and the handbags and the accessories that I buy. And I won't buy something if it's leather. I actually specifically won't buy a certain car or a couch because it's leather because I wanna know at the end of the day that I'm not sitting on what used to be a cow, right? Um, that for me, it's just, it's just my own conscious. Um, and so, you know, that's something that I wanna teach my daughter as well is to make the connection between, you know, it's not just a beautiful handbag. It, it was once a living being as well. And I understand a lot of people might have an issue with that and say, well, you know, to me, um, I'm not an animal advocate or I just, I don't care that strongly about animals and that's fine. Right. But if this is something that resonates with you and it really hits home with your own conscience, then maybe it's time to start being more mindful. I'm not saying go out and like throw away your leather couch or go and buy a new car. Um, but maybe it's your products moving forward. Maybe you start to recognize, oh, those, you know, $100 pair of sneakers have leather on them. And maybe I can buy a pair that's just as nice that will look just as sleek and get the job done that doesn't partake in harming another living being. So I really think that these are the key takeaways when it comes to um, just this whole topic in general of what the difference is between pescatarianism, vegetarianism, veganism, plant-based, and why cutting out meat is just simply not enough that cutting back on your fish, fish consumption and your dairy consumption is just as important. So I hope that this episode wasn't too controversial for you. And I just want to take this time to remind you that I am not passing judgment. I don't want this to feel like a preachy vegan episode, but I do want to use it as an opportunity to learn, to be more aware, to be more mindful, to open your mind to the reality and the truth 
of these certain industries like the commercial fishing industry, the dairy industry, and the meat industry. And then taking it even further, the fashion industry, the cosmetic industry, the science industry, if you will. Um, You know, we don't have to harm other living beings just because we are the superior species, right? I'm not by any means saying that animals are equal to us, but we are advanced and so far along in our species that we don't need to take so much from other species because they not may they may not be here that much longer if we continue to do so. So, so that being said, guys, keep an open mind, reach out if you need help. If this episode resonates with you and you're like, Natalie, I had no idea about all these industries and how eating fish has such a big impact or drinking milk or, you know, eating ice cream really has such a big impact, reach out. That's what I'm here for. This is what I want to do. I want to help make your life easier because the transition shouldn't have to be hard, right? I have a free seven-day plant-based challenge on my website at provingitplantbased.com. You guys know where to find me. If you don't, if this is your first episode that you've ever listened to, connect with me on social media. I am on Instagram at NatalieFalco underscore fit, or you can find me at provingitplantbased. Reach out, send me a DM. I am happy to have a conversation with you, point you in the right direction, give you some tips and tricks when it comes to just making small changes and transitioning into a plant-based or vegan lifestyle. All right, so I'm happy that we were able to talk about this. Thank you if you did make it through this whole episode. Congratulations, you made it through another episode of the Proving It Plant-Based podcast. Until next week, you guys. We will talk then. Stay tuned. Bye.